Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast, We Are Not MS. I am thrilled to have you here and before I get started on the episode, I just wanted to talk to you quickly about a program I have coming out on the 17th of January called MS Freedom. Now this program is for you if you are just sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, you are stuck, you're anxious, you're scared and you want to stop MS being the only thing you th- that you think about. This program is about inside out transformation. It is about changing the way you think. It's about changing what you believe about yourself, about MS and about your future. I want to help you to start to believe that you can kick MS's ass, that you can start to live again and live the life that you actually want to live. So if you're interested at all, I would be over the moon if you would join me and I'm going to put the link to join in the show notes and any questions at all, just reach out to me, but it is going to be brilliant and I really want to help you get 2024 off to a cracking start. Hi everybody and welcome back to We Are Not MS. Today I have a wonderful lady on with me. She's from the Highlands of Scotland but living in Switzerland. It is the magnificent Maria and I can't wait to delve into everything with her, to hear all about her MS story, to hear how she chooses to live her life and how she chooses to manage this condition. So Maria, hi and thank you so much for coming on. It is a pleasure to see you and to speak with you. Hi, Alison. Thank you so much. Thanks for that lovely introduction. (laughs) Well, and I was just saying before we pressed record that I couldn't pronounce your last name. So it's Maria. Indermule. Indermule. That sounds fabulous. (laughs) It's Swiss German. So seemingly it means in the mill. Oh. Uh, Seemingly a baby was found in the mill. Oh. A long, long time ago. And hence how this name was uh, created. Indermule. In the mill. There you are. Maria is in the mill and she's, <laughs> and she's on the podcast. So we have it all going on. Um, so what I would like to do first, just before we get sort of stuck into the crux of the whole thing, is tell us a little bit about yourself, where where you grew up and where you find yourself now. Mm. Yeah, so I grew up in the Highlands of Scotland. So I'm from Inverness. So Inverness is where the Loch Ness Monster lives. <laughs> so yeah or that's where it? pardon or it or does it is it true or is it not this is the... I know there you go yeah a lot of Highlanders do believe in it I have to say and there have been some sightings you know um but I myself I can't say that I have seen Nessie but it was always mysterious you know as driving past the loch even as kids that Nessie could be there and you Exciting. know poke its head up yeah fabulous <laughs> So, yeah, I lived up in the Highlands of Scotland and, you know, life was busy, though, you know, as in, yeah, I was always busy working. So I don't think when I reflect on it, I really, really appreciated where I was living. And there was so much on my doorstep, but a, I didn't have the time. You know, when you're busy working away, you don't yes. always use nature's workout or just you're not a tourist in your own country, are you? And when you're young, you can't be bothered. Well, that's it. And also, I always had itchy feet. I wanted to go to the likes of Spain or I wasn't interested in my hometown. Yeah, isn't it weird? Yeah. So life was really busy up in the Highlands, working away and everything. Um, And then when I was, what, 
32. Um, somebody invited me um, over to Switzerland for a weekend, for a wee break. And uh, that's where I met my now husband. So I now live in Switzerland. Isn't that unbelievable? So you just went over for the weekend, basically came back with a husband. <laughs> More or less. Or a husband to, to be. But I mean, that's a story, isn't it? Yeah, it was the weekend. Uh, do you remember when the volcano erupted in yes. Iceland? Yes. And it caused chaos throughout the world well I got stranded in Switzerland not a bad place to be stranded in I have to say um but that's how the romance began so you then did you move to Switzerland then pretty immediately or did you come back to Scotland and have the long thing relationship you know and exactly yeah I had the long I returned to the highlands and uh our communication was Skype you know, we didn't have Zoom calls then. It was all no. Skype and it was all very exciting. And you know, everything moved rather quickly. And within the year, we were married. Um, yeah. And yeah. so now you live in Switzerland. And I can see from the stories on your Instagram that you're just, just the mountains and the surroundings that you have are stunning. Yeah, it's amazing. I love the Swiss Alps, I have to say. I'm surrounded by it. We actually are in a little village um that has a lot of vineyards and so the village is known for its wine and it's a funny thing because I never associated Switzerland with wine no my goodness never yeah they keep it to themselves it's a secret they keep to themselves and I'm not surprised because I've never tasted such delicious wine than the Swiss wine oh it's divine well there you are now you've let the secret out of the bag (laughs) They're really good at the wine. Like, forget the chocolate and the cheese. The wine is on another wow. level. Okay, well, there, that's a takeaway. That's a yeah. takeaway from the podcast. Never mind MMS, people. It's all about the Swiss wine. And in our village, we have a three-day wine tasting, free wine tasting. And you go around, there's about 30 uh, places. And you know what? In the 12 years I've been here, Alison, although there's a three-day wine tasting, um, I have never, ever seen anyone drunk. You see, that's the way they do it in places like Switzerland, Spain, France. It becomes, it's a way of life. And I mean that, you know, the kids are told they can have a small glass whenever they're maybe 14, 15. And it doesn't become this taboo thing where you need to be out in a park drinking as much as you possibly can in order to get, you know, it's it's very strange. No, and it's it's been lovely to see that appreciation, to be honest, you know, and I ha- I see it also differently as now too. Um, and uh, yeah, there are some medicinal purpose, uh, purposes and, you know, wine, you know, the reservatory and everything. So yes. yeah, everything in moderation. Eh? Pick your poison. <laughs> Pick your poison. Exactly. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, so we are talking to you then. You are in the, in the Swiss Alps, having not indulged in the free wine yet. This is not part of the three-day event. So what I would like to know before we get into hearing about your story with MS, the journey that you have been on, is how old were you when you began to suspect that there was things off, that you weren't just feeling 100%? I would say it was at my wedding day, Alison. 
of God. all places. Oh my goodness. So that was when? That was April 2011. Crikey, even just saying that makes me feel a bit emotional oh, just emotional. thinking of it. April 2011, so 12 years ago, 12 yeah. and a half years ago. Yeah, wow. having oh. a Kaylee and um, I could feel pins and needles running down my spinal cord. Yeah. And that's, you know, I didn't give it much thought at the time because, you know, I was happy and I was celebrating our marriage. Of course. But then when I moved to Switzerland a couple of days after our wedding, like it was getting worse, those pins and needles. Right. Like it felt like there was ants having a party. Only in your spine or did it spread out to your arms and legs or anything? It initially started in my spinal cord and then within a few weeks it had started to go down my arms and my legs right um and yeah I the way I kind of describe it too is after the there were sometimes then too after that that I experienced what I would say was like concrete being poured down my spinal cord so I started to seize up afterwards so in the initial symptoms were the pins and needles and then I felt like I was literally seizing up like I felt like I was beginning to walk like a robot like there was cement being poured down my like spinal cord heavy, like a heavy sort of exactly sensation so when, when that was happening you were obviously alerted to the fact that this wasn't right this wasn't the way you were supposed to feel what was going through your mind at that stage can you remember was it panic or was it that type of thing that we all do which is like oh I'm sh I'm sure it's probably a trap nerve it it'll it'll clear it's you know it'll cl clear clear it itself up yeah no I took it seriously I did um I remember we were living in this tiny little cottage and the bedroom was up a little kind of trap door, you know, from the attic. You had to climb yeah. up these stairs. And I remember becoming very terrified of that because this it made the made how I feel made how I felt worse. So my concern was our bedroom was up this little attic. It it sounds a bit dodgy, but it was absolutely adorable, this little yes. cottage. It's it was so Swiss, you know, it was just so cute. But yeah, it was becoming a concern for me that I wouldn't be able to get up to the bedroom. And at this stage, had you sought any help from your doctor or anything like that? So this was the beginning of the journey. This was the beginning for you of going right I need to uncover what's going yeah. on so I would say the symptoms started in April and I'd say by the end of the May I was on you know seeing a doctor you know mid May okay. I was seeing a doctor um I can still remember the doctor and um he told me that there was nothing to worry about and I was too young and I was just depressed because I had left my home country oh how patronizing <laughs> my God. yeah and I remember there not, and then not appreciating. And he gave me antidepressants. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. That, and I remember sitting so there and saying to my husband, like, well, afterwards, saying to my husband, you know, my body's closing down on me and that man is not listening to me. Yes. He made me out to, to be a hypochondriac. Yeah. Um, which, which is actually 
scary, you know, for people who are going to doctors and trying to get to the bottom of an issue and you're told you're depressed, here's a tablet, off you pop. Yeah. And he didn't even he didn't even request blood tests. Yeah. You know, like and he didn't even take my blood pressure. It was he was very quick just to sign me a prescription to put me on antidepressants. And the thing was, I was newly married and I was really, really happy, but there was something that was going on in my body. And I didn't know what it was. And I thought the right thing to do about it, which it was the right thing to do, was go to the doctor. But I was dismissed. And that made me feel worse because you kind of start. Well, it wasn't that I doubted myself, but you kind of start thinking. I don't know. You, It's not that I doubted myself, but you just feel alone because the doctor that's supposed to help you isn't. Yes. Very hard. Very hard mm-hmm. indeed. So once that happened and you didn't get an answer that was helpful at all, what was your next course of action? I knew that, well, if he's not going to help me, um, I'm going to have to do something about it myself. So I started, um, like, bearing in mind, too, I was in a country that spoke, well, the part I'm in is in French-speaking part. Okay. And... um, so yeah I also had to learn French at the time so I was kind of trying to learn French and of course that was another symptom I had I couldn't retain the information my brain fog it was horrendous Um, but I was using a lot of my time uh, trying to you know find out what my symptoms related to on Google yes and because it was all I had because I knew that unfortunately the doctor I had wasn't taking me seriously um so I took it upon myself to research things myself and that was when I discovered there was um yeah sounded similar to the symptoms of what's known as MS. So that was sort of the first time that you'd come across that word those words yeah um, and thought gosh this could be this could be it this could be what I have yeah which is terrifying too when you read it like I it was a shocker but then I think no it wouldn't be that because the doctor if he thought it was going to that going to be that he would have taken me down a different direction yeah and you You know convince yourself that it's not the thing that probably in your heart you realize that it probably is exactly yeah so I was very much I think I was in denial as well for a wee while yes I understand that you're kind of working out and yet the symptoms are getting worse and then I was like okay we have to go back to the doctor so I went back to the doctor the same one and I said listen I wonder could I have MS but bearing in mind this was like 12 months after I kind of suffered for 12 months that's a long time to to not know and it's a long time to see the sensations and the pain and whatever that you were going through and that in itself could actually have led you to becoming depressed. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Totally. So, how crazy <laughs> is that? Yeah, and the symptoms by that point were getting worse. Like I was beginning to drag my leg. Were you? Yeah, and that really scared me. And then I was losing the vision in my right eye. So you really got hit quite hard quite quickly. Yeah, everything happened very quickly within a year. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, but at the same time, I think it almost did me a favor because it happened so quickly. 
I kind of was more motivated to change, if you know what I mean. And what do you think allowed you to be like that as opposed to just being very down about it and just kind of hoping for the best? What gave you the drive to try to find some answers? I think the, I think my husband's got a lot to do with it too, yeah. as in I, I was madly in love. And I think, yeah, love is medicine. Yeah. <laughs> and I really felt... I. I just arrived in a foreign country and I wanted to live well and I wanted to start a family and, you know, create my life with this wonderful man. So I think, yeah, if I hadn't had my husband with me at that time, I do wonder how motivated would I have been? That's interesting. Yeah, because I had something to live for and had something to fight for. Um, And I think it's all about, your why like as in you need to know your why like you know why do you need your health and I needed my health to live a healthy happy life with my husband yes and that's emotional and I think if you have an emotional uh emotional attachment to your why yeah it's not just because you want to be thin or you want you know if you have a reason which is for you to to live long and strong with yeah. the love of your life exactly there's nothing greater than that to there isn't yeah and I also needed to get up the stairs to the bedroom <laughs> that and um, yes <laughs> that was maybe a way, that was maybe more important that <laughs> <laughs> was a huge concern um so yeah uh I had I had to go to the doctor and ask to be referred to the neurologist okay. um and that annoyed me because I felt like I was doing his job job for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm not so- a, I'm not a doctor. No, and you shouldn't have to, but the fact that you were able to, the fact that you were able to sort of take control of yourself enough to say, no, I need answers here is yeah. really what a lot of people are having to do. And it's not right. But you know, I think the fact that you that you find find the resolve to do that was was probably helpful yeah I agree no I I was quite insistent when I returned to him and said I need to see a neurologist you know can you please refer me and then of course once I saw the right person in terms of you know I needed to see a neurologist like I didn't know anything like the what came after nothing really prepared me like the MRI and the lumbar puncture and you're a pincushion aren't you from then on and it was all quite overwhelming I have to say and it was all in French and I didn't have a clue what was being said half the time my goodness I mean that that I can't even imagine actually what that would be like if you know if you're if you're going through this but you're not actually sure what the doctor consultant is even actually saying you know and you're relying on others to translate his I mean gosh a lot that's a lot and that caused anxiety in me then. And then I was having anxiety attacks. And I remember once to collapsing in the train station and the ambulance coming and everything. Like, it was a horrendous time when I think of it. Um, it was a very scary time. But at the same time, I was wanting answers, you know. And I was leaving no stone unturned. Yes. You needed yeah. answers. And so at what point did you get the news? Yeah, I got the news quite quickly once 
I was referred to the neurologist and I remember going into the office with my husband a, a couple of days after getting the MRI and lumbar puncture and everything like things moved forward quite quickly I have to say um, and we were called in to get the results and I remember it was a lovely neurologist and same age as my husband and I and she had a beautiful picture frame of her two gorgeous children and she gave us the um diagnosis and I yeah I think the way a diagnosis is given as well um is quite important and the way she gave it to us it was done quite um <laughs> matter-of-factly and uh I think on reflection I think it could have been delivered a bit more anger yeah and especially I think it was a bit inappropriate to have the picture of her two children you know you're 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 about to um you know reveal some shocking news life-changing like life-changing life diagnosis exactly and I don't know I yeah I I think medical professionals they have they have a lot to do don't they as in they have a big job but um, I think having a certain manner when you deliver such shocking news is quite important. But uh, looking back, I think she was overly stressed and overwhelmed with, you know, being a mother and then on top of it, having this job as a neurologist. Yeah. But it was quite traumatizing for me, the deliverance yeah. of it all. Yeah. So you were just told that, that this was what it was and did she give you any advice, words of wisdom, anything like that? Or were you sort of left to go away with your collection of things to examine and things to look at for your next options? Well, at this point, I could hardly walk. So I was in a bad way. I could hardly walk. I was clinging to my husband. If not, I, I, I didn't have any strength in my legs at all. They were numb. Um, so I was in a bad way. So quite rightly, she wanted me to be put on um, steroid injections immediately, you know, quite rightly so, to slow down the progression of it. And it was to be done immediately. Like there was so much urgency about it. Um, and uh, even that, I was struggling to um, take in, to be honest. And uh, I had said, well, we want to start a family. And she said, well, you can't start a family when you're on this medication. I hear um, so many times that that's just the immediate response. It's not, okay, but let's look at what we could do. Or there, it's just, yeah. no, you can't. No, you can't. Well, and that was hard. You know, for people yeah. who don't have kids. It was, Alison. It was devastating. And then when she saw that I was reacting to that, she said, well, if you're really wanting to have kids, I suggest you have them now. Right. <laughs> and, and I said, but I can't walk to the bathroom without my husband's help. Like, I didn't trust my body. So how that. could I possibly carry a baby? Like, it was unimaginable. Like, it was so yeah I did have I think two weeks um of medication but I didn't feel the benefit from it so that's when I chose to come off it because like medication has its place and it can help some people but for me I didn't feel the benefit of it so I personally chose to come off it yeah 
and that that was a it sounds like it was sort of always in your head that that wasn't really going to be an option for you but you thought I'll try because I feel so bad that I need to do something I need to take some action here exactly and I felt too well the doctor obviously knows best better than me here what I need so I'm going to take her advice and I I genuinely thought that you know I would feel better but I didn't and I think it was the wrong medication for me because I started having pains in my chest and I couldn't breathe and um, it I had a really strong reaction to it but I was told that well that's what happens but keep taking it and I was like, but I'm feeling worse with this medication. There was no, okay, well, maybe this is the wrong medication. Let's try you on another one. There was no talking about it. It was like, okay, well, that's what you're supposed to take. Get on with it. So what what did you do then after you decided to, to come off it? I know you did lots of research. I did stashes. Yeah. So what I did after that was I was like, okay, well, this is not working for me. And uh, I, I just started dabbling <laughs> and dabbling's the word I didn't have a clue what I was doing Alison like I feel so sorry for that girl when I think of her now because she desperately wanted to get better and she'd yeah. done anything but I was very aware of how my body was feeling and I did notice that there were certain foods that worsened my symptoms okay so that I started taking a diary and I've still got my diary and it's quite distressing to read, actually, because I realize how sick I was. And yeah. I'm joining up the dots of how I was feeling when I ate that certain cake or like gluten now is a no, no for me. Like, obviously, I don't touch the stuff. Yeah. Um, but back then I didn't know any better. And I was okay. eating stashes of gluten, whether it was in a pizza, whether it was in. Bread. Yeah, there is everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. So that's how I started off was I started um, connecting the dots. Yeah, using your body almost as an experiment to see, exactly. to see what was helping. Yeah. I know, I know from reading your chapter in Agatha's book, which Maria's story is the very last story in that book. So if anybody has that, for sure, read it. It makes for very interesting reading. I know things for you got really quite bad and really quite low. And yeah. you actually made quite a big decision. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about that or you... Yeah, absolutely. No, it's... Um, I discovered... Um, like, I felt... Because the medication wasn't helping me, I needed to find something else, something that would help me. So I continued my research. So although I was changing my diet and lifestyle, I was uh, researching MS and what could be causing it. And of course, there was very little known about it then. Yeah. And then one day I actually discovered, I think it was a man actually in Dublin. He had received a diagnosis of MS after having been to the dentist and falling sick after having silver fillings put in his mouth and to me that was a big um, light bulb moment because I realized that I had been to the dentist two weeks before my wedding day and I think it's a very very important question to ask ourselves when we've been given a diagnosis of MS is I've never felt 
uh, well since. Since when? And if I'm to answer that question, I've never felt well since. Okay, I feel well now, but I never felt well since uh, I went to the dentist. And that hadn't come into your head prior to you reading about this guy in Dublin? No. And, and I cannot, I can understand why, because why, you know, we go to the dentist, we go to the dentist every yeah. month, it's what we do as kids, exactly. you're in, you get fillings, boom, done. And it's crazy, isn't it, whenever something is presented to you that actually provides an answer when, yeah. when you're not expecting it. And it couldn't have come at a better time because to me, it was a real big light bulb moment. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is it. It's that silver fillings. I just knew immediately that this had something to do with it. It certainly didn't cause the whole MS, but it was a contributing factor. I think it just tipped me. Um, And so I then started... I needed to know, well, what's going on in my body? And I discovered there was a doctor here in Switzerland. And I don't know what you call it, really, but it's like a metal testing doctor. Okay. And at this point, I was nearly in a wheelchair, like I could hardly walk. And I made an appointment to see him. And he did tests, you know, um, hair tests, blood tests. And his words to me was, I have no idea how you walked into my clinic today. I have never seen anybody with so much mercury in their body. Are you serious? It was off the scale, Alison. I've still got the reports. Now, the only time I was ever exposed to mercury was on the dentist chair. That is unbelievable. Yeah, and it was then... I knew, okay, so this has something to do with how I'm feeling because, you know, mercury is neurotoxic and it causes demyelination. Bingo. And it's, pardon? Bingo. Demyelination, yeah. you know, that is what it's all about. Exactly. And yeah, when you think of MS, it's the myelin sheath that's been destroyed. So here I was like, okay, I've been given the diagnosis of MS, but could this, this mercury in my mouth is not helping things then because that's causing more demyelination. Yeah. So get, I needed get to get this out. out. Please get the mercury, remove it immediately. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you saying that right now, that's the very thing we shouldn't do. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's Explain. the worst thing we can do. Explain. Yeah, because... My that's what I did, but that's what I shouldn't have done because my body wasn't ready to remove all those toxins at the one time. At the one time, so I had this news. I thought I'd 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 found the and won the golden ticket. Yeah, and I wanted everything done yesterday, Alison. You know, yeah, and I, I was on a roll. Yeah, <laughs> and I wanted these silver stars out of my mouth. Yeah, but it was the worst thing I could have done because my body wasn't ready to remove that toxic substance because my your liver has to be functioning at optimum level. You've got to have the right nutrients for the detoxifying pathways to be working at an optimum level. And you mustn't be constipated either. And all these pathways in my body um, were sluggish. 
And so therefore I went in there and got all my silver fillings removed and it was done by any old dentist. And that's another thing. Not only should you prepare your body before you remove your silver fillings, but you've got to make sure that you um, have a dentist that knows how to remove them carefully. And that's using the SMART protocol. So there's a lot of preparation that has to be done first. I know this now, but I didn't know that then. And it's because I removed too much mercury too soon that I my health then went for a dive bomb and I had no feeling from my chin down. Wow. Because I released too much too soon and it was yeah. swimming and there was no way out. And I remember oh. being awfully itchy. And itchiness also is a sign of MS. It's really interesting yeah. because mercury poisoning and MS have very similar symptoms. You know, um, oh gosh, there's so many. There's uh, bladder dysfunction, numbness, muscle spasms, fatigue, constipation, tremors, memory loss. There's so yeah. many. But just because you have that doesn't mean you have um, heavy metal poisoning, mercury poisoning, yeah. but certainly it contributed to mine. And yes, I removed them, um, removed them, and I removed them the wrong way. But then I had to repair my body to get better again. But it still left me with MS. <laughs> yes, that that didn't change. So what did what did you have to do then to try and pick yourself up off the floor, literally? from taking all this stuff out of the body too quickly what was the next step then yeah I had to really go slowly and go low and slow and really start repairing cellular function my body had gone through an awful lot mm. um Alison and thankfully I discovered a naturopath who was specializing in uh, mercury detoxifying um and he helped me he was a great help and like removing mercury from the body is not for the faint hearted, but it would have been a lot easier had I prepared my body first. And of course, that's what I now do with my clients. If they have identified they've got MS and they've got silver fillings, first of all, hold your horses. OK, you've identified that they're, the, the silver fillings could be worsening your MS symptoms. But now we need to really, um, you know, you have to put the good things in first before you take the bad stuff out. Yeah, you have to create a plan. Exactly. Like you have to foundational, like you don't put the kitchen in a kitchen if the walls haven't been built. Yes. You know, you have to get back to basics. So that's what it's about. And um, so I then had to, I did things back to front. But well, I way, learned from it. Everything happens for a reason. And because you did that, you're now able to help others to not do that and to not <laughs> go through the experience that you have. So if we try to reframe, reframe and find the silver, what do you call it? The lining. That's what it is. It's, There's it's, a silver lining in the silver fillings, Alison. Yeah. <laughs> well there was for me anyway <laughs> so it's helped you to be able to help others which you know we've always got to try to find the positive yeah. haven't we you know for you to have to go through that horrendous yeah I know thing. what not to do put it that way yeah yeah and isn't it interesting just the way life works and because that really did bring you to a very low point terrible terrible I like nothing had prepared me for that 
um, I remember at my lowest, I had no feeling from my chin down because I had removed too much mercury from my brain. Because although mercury was in my mouth, like there's still in silver fillings, there's 50% mercury, um, a 35% silver, 13% tin and 2% copper. So it's predominantly mercury. So that mercury had crossed over my blood brain barrier and it loves fat. Mercury loves fat. And, you know, our brain is predominantly fat. The yeah. myelin sheath is fat. So all that was being disrupted. Um, so, yeah, when I removed too much mercury from my brain, and there's a certain protocol to do that, um, I removed too much too soon. Like I was over enthusiastic. Like I take full responsibility. It was my fault. Yeah. I did too much too soon. I know that, but I was so eager to get better. Um, and it took me to a, a dark place. Um, and I lost no, fe- I had no feeling from my chin down. And I remember it was so bad. Like I remember telling the neurologist and they were like, okay, well that's MS. But I was like, no, actually, I am trying to detoxify from heavy metals here and I've actually done too much and I've done this to myself. So this isn't actually the MS, this is the mercury. Yeah. But they were a bit, um, they'd never, it wasn't in their wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, that was new to them, like heavy metals causing neurodegeneration. Like it wasn't in their, um, yeah, the way they saw things, their medical point of view. So, um. I remember when I had no feeling from my chin down, I wanted to die, like I did. And I just wanted the pain to end because at this point, my husband was spoon feeding me. He was taking me to the bathroom. He was doing everything. And I had decided I was going to go to exit, which is Swiss assisted suicide. And I decided I was going to do that the next day. Um, I remember us lying in bed together, holding each other. And I had made this decision that, okay, I don't want to live like this anymore because I really thought at that point that it was permanent now and that maybe the neurologist was right that this was MS and that maybe I got it wrong that it wasn't the mercury and the next day when I woke up wanting to phone exit I had the first feeling in my fingertips oh my goodness and uh, that's when I abandoned the thought I've just of- got the chills whenever you said that yeah. oh yeah well I abandoned the thought then of um taking my life I really did I was like okay there's hope and health starts with hope doesn't it, it does. and it's we looked over pardon it's all it's all about hope isn't it just take away hope what do we have and I had a tremendous amount of hope then when I realized oh my goodness um I've got the feeling in my fingertips again and I remember saying to my husband I'm going to get better and at this it point, I could walk like to the bathroom. It was, it, it was like a switch. It was. Just went from right, this is it. I'm going to die to like, no, it's, yeah. time, to, it's time to fight. Exactly. Amazing. Exactly. And um, I remember saying to him, no, I'm going to get better. And when I get better, I'm going to go on to help other people. Uh, and it's not just exactly what's happened. Which yeah. is amazing. Um, so on that path to where you are now, because you present to me here, looking glowing, like I said to you, whenever we first clicked the call, you look a picture of health. You really do. And all the work that you do with this community is just outstanding. And, 
you know, how did you get from that sort of, right, that's it, I'm going to improve to where you are now? You've obviously ad- adopted a holistic approach to your health. Yeah, I think mindset is so important. Um, and I think there's two very powerful words. And it's something I say every day. And those two powerful words for me are simply, I choose. So this morning, when I woke up, before I ever put my feet on the floor, I lie in my bed and I choose. So this morning, I lay on my bed and I said, I choose to eat well for my body today. And I choose to walk the mountain today. And that sets me up. So I think mindset is really, really important what I decide. And then when I go to the side of my bed, before I even stand in my feet, I've got my vision board in front of me. And I focus on my vision board. And What's on the vision board we need to know? (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know? There's lots of things. Um, Actually, what I made it in January. And of course, what was on my vision board this year was podcasts. Oh, well, there you go. And this is, is this? This is my fourth. Yeah. So you're ticking the box. Ticking the box. And also creating a business that I love and enjoy and make a difference. So I'm doing that. And um, I've got um, some other things in terms of I want to walk Ben Nevis. I didn't actually achieve that this year, but that'll be for next year. Um, So there's things like that. Um, but quite frankly, you know, when I was given the diagnosis of MS and sent home, I was sent home to rearrange my home to accommodate a wheelchair. A wheelchair was not on my vision board, Alison. No. And there was probably a time there when you thought it was going to have to be, it was going to have to become part of your life. Yeah. But then you find the strength, you find that resolve that went, no, actually, that's not part of my it's not part of the plan it's not part of the future I may have had to I may have had to have changed my plan slightly from what I had thought but that wheelchair is not a part of it exactly and to me MS um stands for multiple strengths oh I love that I love that (laughs) and I uh yeah I remind myself of that every day like just waking up to a new day and being able to see out of my eyes I cherish because there was a time I had no vision in my right eye yeah and I can walk to the bathroom myself like that's amazing there was a time I couldn't yeah and I think this is a you know MS to me it's you know one disease with many causes and I think what might have caused MS in one person might not necessarily be the cause for somebody else and I think it's so important to get to the root cause yes and for me the silver fillings in my mouth um, was the silver lining and like I still have the diagnosis of MS and I have to be careful. Like last year, I had a relapse that came out of nowhere and it really shocked me because I had convinced myself that I didn't have MS, that I had mercury poisoning. Yeah. So it came out of nowhere and I got a shock and I had become complacent because yes. I 
and I needed that to happen. Um, and the, 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 like last August, I couldn't walk for the whole month. But my goodness, it really um, helped me again prioritize. And now I'm more careful than ever how I live my life because I've been given a diagnosis of MS. Yes, the mercury is what tipped me and was certainly exasperating my MS symptoms. Now those silver fillings have gone, but it has left me with a diagnosis of MS. So there are things I have to do every day to live well with it. Yes, and that's a choice. I choose. Which goes back to what you said. And I actually think, I mean, that for me is extremely important as well, is is knowing that I have choices, but it's actually as well having the belief that you can make those choices I think a lot of time we can be almost pulled into um living more and what we can't do and dwelling on that because there's a lot of stuff out there that is negative it's talking about the future with MS what it what it's likely to be what it could be you follow people who are maybe not having the best of time with with it with MS and you it's very easy to convince yourself that that is going to become the reality for you but my thing is if you can change the belief that you hold and the perception that you have around this condition and flip that to the cans instead of the can can nots then that's where growth begins to happen. That's where you can evolve. That's where you can be- begin to win. That's when you oh, can I love that. thrive. And for me, that's everything. It all comes down to the mindset, as you have said, and it's the beliefs that we hold. It's the beliefs that we hold about ourselves, about the world, about MS, about the future. And if you can change those beliefs to become things that help you rather than hinder you, that's when that's when you begin to soar. Absolutely. Oh, no, I love that, Alison. Thanks for sharing that. And I think what, yeah, it's like what you say at the start of every podcast, MS is life changing, but it doesn't have to be life ending. Yes. And I think, I think anyone who's been, who's been told that they have this has at some point thought their life was over. And I don't mean that you were going to die, but you felt that life as you knew it, life had, as you had planned is over and that can be a very depressing hard anxious scary place to live and it's not it doesn't have to be that's that's a belief that's a perception we need to change that we need to change that and you know I can totally understand and empathize about why people stay there yeah because actually they just aren't sure how to not Um, absolutely and I think too the other thing that maybe doesn't particularly help is when you like the poor neurologists they have a hard time in that they are seeing this condition day in day out and they are seeing what it's doing to people and they're seeing the worst of it they are and it's debilitating for so many people and therefore they don't want to give false hope either do they and yet they often do say okay, you're, like they said to me, you're going to have to go home and rearrange your home to accommodate a wheelchair. It's progressive decline and it's progressive disease. And that fills you with fear. There's no hope there. But I, like you were saying about reframing it, when I heard progressive disease and progressive decline, I went, no, that's not going to be me. And I decided to prioritize progressive health. I love the fact that that's kind of your catchphrase. It's very good, but it's very, 
it's real and it hits hard. Yeah. And it and and if people hear that and it hits them in the way that you are intending, that can change everything. Yeah. That 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 attitude can change everything. And this is why there's people like you out there, the different people I've interviewed. That's why I've come on to Instagram and to try to sort of get into the community because I believe that people can live longer and stronger than they currently think they can. And that's what you and I and lots of others are trying to do. We're trying to show that there's hope, you know, let's fight. fight. Let's, Let's let MS only be a very small chapter in the book of our lives. Yeah. That's, that's all it is it's a very small part we're so much more we're so much more than um, ms those two words and multiple strengths that's what we are We've got multiple to- strengths. exactly and you know i consider like i have come to the realization that ms is not going anywhere it's there okay it's there but i want it to be a silent partner not the ceo ceo of my life yes I love that. And that is exactly what it is, because you're you're as hard as it is to say at this point, we don't have a cure. We don't. And and I know there is lots of people working extremely hard to to find one. But for the for the future that you and I have currently is this is where it's at. And that's where you have to almost learn to live with it. But you've also got to live in spite of it. And that means having your dreams, having your goals, knowing and having a belief that you can achieve them. It just changes your energy. It, it, it lifts you. You know, it really does. I mean, even doing this podcast and Instagram has lifted me tremendously. I yeah. feel full now of purpose. Yeah, you know, I've always wow. kind of had a, you know, I've always kind of felt that there's that there's you know, good things to come and all that. But I think if you if you if you decide and choose to work hard to find out what your body responds to, and that's up to us. That's the job that we have in this condition is to find out what works for us and what works against us, and then choose choose the things that help. Exactly. Hold us back. Tell me this. What I'm very interested in as well, because I think this is sometimes a forgotten, a forgotten question, is how did it affect your husband, your parents, the people are, are you know that love you? Because sometimes wow. I think those people are forgotten. You know that because this isn't only happening to you; it's happening to those people as well. Wow. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. And you're just saying it. Crikey. I feel really emotional about it. Well, that's, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Oh. Sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. No, no, it's it's good. It's a, it's a real question. And that's the thing. Often they're forgotten about, Alison. Yeah. And the situation I was in was... Maria had just moved to Switzerland and she was having a great life. And I felt that some people can't cope with the truth. And I didn't really share everything that was going on. 
And I kept it to myself because there was a time where I was sort of saying how I felt, but it would be met with, yeah, but you live in Switzerland. Come on, like shake it off kind of thing. Stop being, you know, you're living in Switzerland. Get on with it, girl, you know. So I kind of found myself shutting down. Um, And I didn't really, I just got on with it. So therefore, the only person really that knew what was going on um, was my husband. And that had a massive impact on him, Alison, for which I'm really, really sorry I put him through that because he had it all. And he even did ask for help from his family because I asked him to ask his family but they didn't seem to want to provide that help at that time it was a very very it's another story and yeah it was really challenging actually because the help isn't the reality is the help isn't always there and I know the definition of family is you're never alone um but my husband and I were if I'm honest. And it was really, really, really difficult. We had some good friends. And then my family back in the UK, they were going through their own stuff. And there was that distance aspect. Um, And we just got on with it ourselves. But I remember one time my husband, um, he developed actually a massive boil in his head. And I think that's quite interesting, as in, I think that came from the yeah. stress of it all. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was probably the body, his body responding. Yeah, exactly. He, he was probably, if he was like my husband, keeping a lot in. Yeah. You know, I'm not wanting you to maybe see just how much I was struggling and and and, and how scary this was for him as, as well. Because, you know, these men, they try to put up this quite yeah. strong front, but... If you give them an inch, if you give them an inch, they'll do, you know, they'll, you know, and I think it, it's quite nice for men to feel it's okay. It's okay to actually be upset and be sad about this as well. And then you come together and decide to be strong together. Yeah, no, he was amazing. Like I consider love is medicine and I would not, not have been able to have got through everything. Um, Which kind yeah. of, brings me back to what you said at the beginning when we were talking about where you grew up and where you are now and the fact you came to Switzerland and you met your husband he was brought to you for a reason he was brought he he was brought to you to help you to get through this and to become the person that you are now and you've obviously I would say you as well have helped him to become the person that he is now because he's had to grow and evolve as well he has had to become a person that he probably wasn't expecting Oh, yeah, I love that. too. Yeah, you're so right. It's interesting you should say that because recently I think we have grown and developed together and he's been a tremendous help to me, but equally I've helped him. And it's really interesting because recently I spoke to somebody and we were just talking about a certain situation and um, yeah, we were just trying to understand a certain situation and the person replied, yeah, but that person doesn't have a Maria in their life. Oh my goodness. 
And it really hit me and I couldn't believe it. And then my husband had to acknowledge that, yes, maybe that's why he dealt with a situation differently from this other person, because I was in his life, which... What a beautiful compliment statement, whatever that that is, that anybody could pay you. That is so... I was deeply touched. Oh, Nobody had ever know. said anything like that to me before. Nobody's ever said that about me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that came as a surprise, oh, I have to wow. say. But it was a beautiful thing to be said. But it's true. I think we all have um, impacts on each other's lives, don't we? We do. And sometimes I think, especially if you've been together a long time, it can almost sort of be taken for granted. You know, you can just sort of think that this is the way it's supposed to be when in fact if you take a step back back and you go wow they have actually been there done this help you know sometimes I have to remind myself I've been married now 26 years and you know this has been a part of our lives for the last 17 you know Chris has had to put up with a lot as well and I would honestly I probably haven't given him the credit a lot of the time that he that he deserves, you know, he really does make sure that I'm okay and gives me the grace to do anything I want to do and Aww. helps me any, you know, and it, it, it's I think I think maybe the fact that I do take that for granted is a testament to him because he doesn't expect anything back from me for that. He's just being my husband. He's just being my best friend. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even though he's really annoying at times. <laughs> But say. this is it. I, I often say to my husband, you had no idea what you were saying through sickness and in health. No idea. But there, uh, you, there you go. Would, would you believe that it, it, that we have been going for well over an hour? Stop it. We have not. We have. Oh, my goodness. And I, I've got so much left to ask you, but I don't want the podcast to go on because I know if, if people will switch off and we need to... Uh, <laughs> For people hear what you have to say so you are going to have to come on again because we wanted to get into I know you and I had spoken briefly over Instagram about empowerment which is it's kind of a weird word and I know some people get rubbed up the wrong way by the word empowerment sort of like what does that mean but for for me I think it's a brilliant word I love the word and I was going to ask you so if you have a very very brief answer about what even how has MS empowered you because I know it has empowered me greatly to be better than anything I thought I would have been yeah so what has it empowered you to do or to be or to feel or whatever your thoughts are oh it's a really good question um MS has empowered me to be me that was on the tip of my tongue, you know, to say it's about having having the courage to just be yourself. Yeah. yeah, because quite frankly, I think that's also one of the reasons I got the diagnosis of MS too, is because I wasn't myself. I was conforming and I was brought up in a religion where certain things were expected of me and I maybe necessar- didn't necessarily want to do, but it was something you had to be seen to be yeah. doing. And therefore, there was no place for me. 
Yeah. So I think when a diagnosis like MS hits, it's an unique opportunity and I uh, love that word unique. <laughs> that's a brilliant word yeah a unique opportunity and invitation to be yourself yeah because that's... your health relies on it Alison doesn't it? It, it it absolutely does and it's when you have to go down the road of trying to fit in being scared of the judgment of others um always watching what you say in case it's the wrong thing, et cetera, et cetera. That is when you're putting stress on yourself. That is when you're putting stress on the body. That is when inflammation occurs. That is when the disease progresses and round and round you go on the hamster wheel and you wonder why you always feel the same and you always feel like things are um, not improving, you know, because you allow life to dictate the way you live as opposed to you dictating how you choose to, to live and I know it's hard and I know maybe, you know, you and I are talking and it seems like we've got all the all the boxes ticked. We haven't. We, no. <laughs> we, we are just trying very hard to do the things that work for us. And knowing that looking at life through a cup half full lens is a much healthier way oh. to look at the world, to look at this condition, to look at your future than looking through it as a cup half half empty absolutely and to be honest I don't find that too difficult to do when I look at what's going on in the world and Mm. the sadness and the distress and the horrific affairs that are occurring like there's been places being bombed and destroyed there's people starving there's been people killed like oh my goodness I can't even take it in it's just horrendous so for me to be grateful right now to be sitting here in front of you talking about MS, it really does seem... We're, we're doing okay. Exactly. And like I always say, and I've put it on a couple of posts, the bad day that you're having is a 10 out of 10 for someone else. And it always is. My mom used to say that to me all the time. Oh, somebody else would love to have your day. And it's very, very true. And just the things that you've touched on there. My God, there's people out there that would love to have the problems that we are currently having. Wouldn't they? Yeah. So that's that's sort of a nice positive note, I think, to end on. Before, well, it's not to end on because I've got three quick closing questions for you that I always (laughs) ask. So can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Is there anything that you would have done differently when you found out that you had MS? Oh, definitely. I think there's three things, okay? Okay. The first one, I would have got myself a nutritional therapist. Okay. And the reason for that is MS is very responsive to individual personalized nutritional approach. And we're all different. So... Oh my God, I'm so glad that you said that because... It's something that grinds my gears on Instagram is everybody telling you exactly what you have to eat and that yeah. we and, and that we should all be eating exactly the same. And you've just hit the, the nail on, on the head. You need to speak to a person or you need to experiment on yourself and find out what works for you because it's not the same. It's not a blanket menu. Yeah. I mean, it, it just c- can't be. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you, but I'm glad you said that. Yeah, no, I think it's really, really important. A nutritional therapist, I think, is so, so important. I would have saved a lot of time and my health would have improved a lot quicker. 
um, had I seen one. Instead, I had to go and study it myself for three years and become one. Become one, yes. Everybody, reach out to Maria. (laughs) And secondly, I would have added before I subtracted. Oh. And uh, in terms of, you know, even my diet, and you know, I removed the mercury fillings, but yes. I shouldn't have done that so quick. I should have added before I removed them. So, okay. and then thirdly, I would have got myself an infrared machine far quicker than what I did. That's interesting. I don't have one, but I have been for a couple of the therapies and I hear about it all the time. And it's supposed to be ma- you're just magnificent. Oh my goodness, my best friend. Oh my goodness. Um, I love my infrared machine. Oh my goodness, I've got an infrared blanket, a machine, and anytime I feel anything like, you know, a little numbness in the foot or anything, go on that a couple of times a day, next day, it's fine. Right, I'm going to speak to you off camera on about that. Thank exactly <laughs> where you got that. And no, you have to be careful. Some people with heart conditions and that maybe can't use it. It's maybe I don't the best. Have, but... I don't have a heart condition, I'm yeah. fine. Um, and... What would you tell your just diagnosed self if you could go back in time? You will never regret following your heart and going on the road less traveled. Oh, I love that. Oh, very well said, Maria. That is, yeah, don't follow the crowd. Don't do exactly what you're being told. You have to really check in and see what lies well with you. There's so many opinions, so much advice. So many people have a lot to say about a lot of things and you should do this and you should do that. But I think it's really important to check in with yourself and listen to that inner voice. And I've always done that. And I have to say, I'm so grateful I did. That's wonderful advice. Really, really good. And well, that was that was the final question. Was there any advice that you would give to anybody who has just found out this news or is maybe struggling with their condition at the minute? So those actually those answers to those first two questions are all ext- extremely helpful. But do, do, do you have anything else? Yeah, there, there's there's lots you can do to improve your life with MS. And I think that's where an individual personalized approach is so important and to get to the root cause of what's driving your MS, because sometimes it can be just something that we're doing every day mm. and it could be just a food that we're eating. Like recently, I just discovered that I'm allergic to eggs and eggs is the third highest allergen and I was so shocked. And since I've removed eggs, like we know it's nutritionally dense and has a lot of beneficial properties and egg. But for me, it wasn't um, Wasn't suitable. So I think, yeah, get to the root cause of what's driving your MS symptoms. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And we didn't get into your career and your job as a nutritional therapist and a health coach and everything. But if people would like to connect with you, um, and I would highly suggest that you do, because I know you offer a 15 minute call free of charge just to chat to see what's what and how you could possibly help. Um, So if people would like to touch base and to follow you, is Instagram the best spot to do that? Yeah, I'm more on Instagram, exactly. So my handle there is at first underscore food underscore first. First food first. 
Okay, and if you type that into the search bar, it comes up very quickly. Um, so people, that's the easiest way for people just to find you, to talk to you. And I know you'd be more than happy to to Absolutely. have those calls. Well, listen, thank you so much. I didn't get to half. I knew we were going to go off on tangents. I just knew it. And I knew that I wouldn't get to all the questions that I had, but that's okay because that's an excuse and a reason to have you on again because I feel like we could have just talked for hours. Um, I say this all the time. <laughs> These, I'm going I'm to have to be a bit more uh, time. What's the word? Time efficient. Um, so I just want to uh, really say thank you for coming on. Thank you for being open, honest, emotional yeah. and real. Oh, because I do think that's what people, re you know, people relate to that. They resonate with that. We can't always pretend that everything's fantastic. And sometimes um that really hits people and it helps it really does so i do appreciate that because i know at times that's not easy and um yes so thank you everyone as well for tuning in for listening and i i know you will have got a lot out of this episode and for sure contact maria get in touch and get a call booked in with her just to find out how she can help and i really hope you all have a fantastic week and thank you so much for listening bye everyone bye maria Thank you, Alison. <laughs>